We all get our food from grocery stores, and we all take that food for granted. Even the fresh tomatoes and strawberries we eat in the middle of the winter. It's time we meet the people who provide us with all the food we take for granted, and we'll ask them, how do you provide us with all our food? Welcome to the award-winning Food Chain Radio Show with your host, Michael Olson. And now, get ready for one hour of What's Eating What Radio. Well, hello out there. You are tuned in to the, I think it's 1336th edition of the Food Chain Radio and Podcast. Well, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome aboard. I am Michael Olson. And get ready for part one of a serendipitous stroll through the world of agriculture. Those who know me, and some of you out there do, know me as an advocate for local agriculture. I'm the author of a book entitled Metro Farm, which is the guide to growing for profit in or near the city for the city. I'm also on the board of Think Local First, County of Santa Cruz, uh, California, which means we advocate for local food, local agriculture, local commerce. Got to take care of ourselves, ladies and gentlemen, because nobody else is. And besides that, you know, I love to eat good food. And I'm of the opinion that the best food in the world comes from farmers who grew that food. And the best place to find that food is to the farmer's market. Because at the certified farmer's market, the people who grew that food are standing right there in front of you. You can look into their eyes and see what's in the food. Pretty special. However, I am also the host of the Food Chain Radio podcast. I'm fully aware of the fact that local food does not fill up the shelves of the supermarket. And so, without prejudice, I travel up and down the food chain looking for stories about what's eating what. And so, um, I, you know, and I do that without prejudice, too, because uh, the good stories are everywhere. And so, I travel without prejudice looking for them. And so, you know, when a notice about the World Ag Expo in Tulare, California, crossed my desk, I thought about World Ag Expo. I'll bet there's some great stories there, don't you think? And so um, I decided to petition the World Ag Expo for a, a media pass, which they granted. And uh, I prepared myself for a really big event. Let's see, over 1,200 exhibitors, 2.6 million square feet of exhibit space, 108,000 233 visitors from 56 countries. Going to be a lot of bumping butts going on there. And so it was good to have a media pass when you think about it, because otherwise you're one in just about one-tenth of a million. So the the um, got ready, and, and the folks said, you better show up early. So I took off and drove from my coastal enclave here in the Monterey Bay area, which, as we all know, is the salad bowl of the world, and uh, headed over the Diablo coastal range of mountains into California's great central valley. Uh, there really are two agricultures in California. Those, uh, there's the agriculture on coastal California, and coastal California is really is about as temperate a climate as you can possibly imagine. 
it always seems to be just right. Uh, because as the Central Valley heats up, the air, that hot air rises up, and it draws in that cool coastal, cool uh, ocean air over the coastal plains. And it's just like nature's air conditioner. We have no air conditioner. Imagine that. Uh, on the other hand, the Central Valley gets really hot, and it's really a magnificent piece of geography, if you think about it. The Central Valley is really two valleys. The Southern Valley is called the San Joaquin, after the river that flows north from the Tehachapi Mountains. And the Northern Valley is called the Sacramento, after the river that flows south from the Siskiyou Mountains way up north. The valleys meet in the middle at the great Sacramento-San Joaquin Delta. From whence they drain into the Pacific Ocean and San Francisco. The Great Valley is hemmed in by mountains, including the Sierras, which capture the winter's precipitation in the form of snow, which then melts and fills the valleys, rivers and streams and aquifers with water. I think the good Lord made California for agriculture, and don't think there is any place like it in the world. So we're always appreciative of that fact here in California. It was made to grow food with. Now, Tulare uh, is in the heart of the San Joaquin Valley. And as I drove through the miles of fruit and nut orchards, which exist down there, with their accompanying beehives, I marveled at the size it seemed like one could fit all of the farms in the Monterey Bay area into one of these giant Central Valley uh, farms. It was just extraordinary how big they are. This is big agriculture, ladies and gentlemen. This is industrial agriculture. This is the kind of agriculture that fills up the world's supermarkets. I was told by the expo people that I better show up early, so... If I wanted a parking place, so I did. I showed up very early, zero dark 30. Thankfully, the press facility offered coffee and donuts. And those inside the event appeared to be event organizers. And everybody knew everybody. And everybody was happy to see everybody. And they were ramping up for the opening ceremony. It was showtime at the World Ag Expo. I did not know how anybody, and nobody I, nobody seemed to know me, that's for darn sure. Uh, all those people there had been there for a long, long time, and I was the new guy. And besides that, I look kind of different when it gets right down to it. One person did catch my eye. It was an elderly gentleman who sported a gold VIP badge. He actually acknowledged my presence with a smile. And so, when he said goodbye to everybody in the press uh, facility and headed out, out the back door, I followed him out. And I found him sitting in a golf cart. Just uh, So I jumped up in the seat next to him, and I said, Hi, I'm Michael Olson. Who are you? So, um, Charlie, he said. I'm Charlie. So... Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to meet Charlie Pitigliano, uh, who, you know, in looking at him, you'd probably mistake him for the greeter at a Home Depot. But what a guy. So stay tuned. Here we go with Charlie Pitigliano.
Okay, we're here with a VIP. Now, how do I know he's a VIP? He has a badge that says VIP. The reason you, I got the badge. What's your name, sir? My name is Charlie Pitliano. I'm from Tulare County. I'm a farmer from Tulare County down south. Good. We farm pistachios, almonds, cuties, all the row crops, wheat, grain, cotton. And we farm from Fresno to Bakersfield. So that's a very that's a very big farm. That's a large area that we go through. Good. And uh, how long have you been with the World Ag Expo here? I've been here. Started in '76. Took a absent for five years because we were expanding our operation, and I came back in '81, and I've been here ever since. I've Good. Been, I've been the president of the board. I've been uh, chairman of the farm show once over, and I, I just take active. It's a very good show. It, um, we just love it. Why did they call it the World Ag Expo? It's, it's in the late 90s. It, we went internationally because then we invited all the countries to come in. That's why we changed it. It was the first show was called um, Farm Show the, to uh, advertise your new equipment or your new products. Then we opened it up for international and that's how we got the name. What would people see if they were coming with us today to walk through the grounds? The most important thing here this year is driverless uh, uh, vehicles like uh, tractors and precision planters that plants, plants a plant every four inches or five inches, everything, everything precision and, and a, lot of, a lot of new robots is coming to the show like the uh, grape. Hey Dave, they're coming on the overpass now. The grape pickers, the uh, you just apple pickers, all done by ro robots. That's the hottest thing right now is the robots are coming. Next year there'll be more. Four years ago the robot came from Italy, the first one, and now every, all the all the big five equipment dealership are doing their robots international. John Deere, Kubota. Uh, New Hollands, all, all the big five. Do you think there will come a day very soon when we won't need farmers because robots will be doing all the work for us? Well, I'm the farmer, so I hope you're not going to kick me out the pasture because of the robots. I, b I believe the robots are more efficient. They could they can milk a cow by ma a machine, but you got to have that, that mentality behind them to pr press that key the stardom and, and check on them, and that's the human being. Looking forward, um, folks out there wondering about the the ability for us all to eat. How do you see the future of food for us? Well, I got my own personal idea about food. I feel like we should go back in the 40s and 50s that our backyard is not a pool or is not a large area of grass to grow, I feel our backyard should be little miniature gardens that we can feed ourselves and use our water that we use to fill the pool up, to use our water to, 
to uh, have groceries in our kitchen from the backyard. Charlie, thank you so much for joining us today on Food Chain Radio. Thank you very much for putting up with me. <laughs> what a sweet man Charlie Pedigliano is. I couldn't believe what a fortunate was move for myself to jump on his golf cart and say, Hi, who are you? Um, very interesting character for a number of reasons. Reason number one is illustrative of what the modern farmer is. Charlie and his three sons and his wife farmed 11,000 acres of the most, some of the most productive farmland in the world between Fresno and Bakersfield, California. 11,000 acres. Doesn't do it all by himself. He's kind of like a modern contractor, somebody who's building like 48 houses in a row. And he has crews working all the way up and down his 11,000 acres between Fresno and Bakersfield. And he's a manager. And so drives up and down the road in his pickup truck and, and uh, checks on things and runs things and makes big bets on equipment and land. And somehow he keeps winning long enough to keep going. And that's no small trick if you think about it. So when we come back, uh, I'm going to take a quick break, but we're going to meet a very, very important person, one of the most important people around. And I'm sure you're going to enjoy uh, meeting him as well. This is the Food Chain Radio Program. Michael Olson taking a serendipitous walk through agriculture right back. Welcome back. I am Michael Olson. This is the Food Chain Radio Program. And uh, today we're taking a serendipitous stroll through the world of agriculture at the World Ag Expo in Tulare County in Tulare City, California. Um, really big show, ladies and gentlemen. 2.6 million square feet of exhibit space. Uh, 108,000 people coming from all over the world to see what the latest technology is in growing crops. A great place to see technology, but an even better place to meet people, which is really our mission today, is to meet, meet the people who grow our food, that fill up our supermarkets with food that we take for granted. And we do take it for granted, don't we? I think so. And so today we're learning a little bit about what it takes to make that food that we take for granted from the people who actually do the job here in Tulare, California. This is big agriculture country. This is industrial agriculture. This is no fooling around, down-to-business agriculture. And uh, so our first person that we met was Charlie Pitigliano, who farms 11,000 acres from Fresno to Bakersfield. That's a really big deal, ladies and gentlemen. It takes uh, a lot of talent to be able to manage that much land. You have to make some big bets. You have to uh, win at those bets to stay in business. And that's what Charlie and his three sons and his wife have done over the years. That started in 1975 with 275 acres. Now is farming 11,000 acres. Wow. The other thing about Charlie was that he had a VIP badge, which is really cool. He, As we were sitting in the golf cart, he said, 
Well, I'm heading over to the opening ceremonies at the Heritage Hall. Do you want to ride? And I said, well, sure. Um, and knowing full well what that meant, because uh, as Charlie drove over to the Heritage Hall, there was a big line of people waiting to get in, having to go through all of that, what it takes to get in big events these days. But Charlie pulled around to the back, and we walked right in the door with uh, nothing but smiles to stop us. And it was really, really cool. Charlie uh, went about his business of being Mr. Big Cheese there, and he dropped me off in a whole mosh pit full of VIPs. I didn't know anybody there, so I was kind of looking around for somebody I knew, and finally I found somebody I knew who was a VIP of VIPs. And uh, I'm sure you would know who he was, too, if you saw him. But before we go there... Um, I'd like to make mention of the fact that, once again, that California is two different states uh, divided by the Diablo range. There's the coastal temperate California, where the weather's always just right. And there is the industrial heartland, where the big work, the heavy work takes place, where it gets hot and miserable, uh, and yet where people persevere and do the work that it takes to get the food uh, out of the ground into our grocery stores. Two different kinds of characters, two different kinds of people, entirely different, uh, as represented by the representatives from those areas. Uh, we take the coastal climate, the mild weather, uh, the big cities. Who represent, Who's a good example of, of the kind of person that represents that area? Well, of course, Nancy Pelosi former Speaker of the House of Representatives, is a good, a good representative, uh, representative of those people who live on the coast. There you are. Central Valley, different kind of people, different kind of representation. Who, represents, who best represents the people of the Central Valley? Well, let's meet a VIP who does. We have a very important person here today. He is... Uh, Kevin McCarthy. Congressman, how significant is this event for the Central Valley? I think it's one of the most significant events for the Central Valley, but I think for the nation. I mean, people come from all over, not just the country, but the world. I mean, when you think about agriculture, what feeds the world, but more importantly, just this valley itself, the importance that it has to agriculture, but the future. The challenges are changing from water, from rising cost and others. That's why I think this time at this moment you'll see the number of members of Congress here today from the chairman of Agri from the chairman of the Ag Committee we've got the farm bill coming up we've got David Valadeo from appropriations we've got a number of members we're going to do a listening session here because I hope they realize the importance that we understand Ag to be but the Central Valley we're going to take that directly to Washington and make a difference you folks in government going to be able to get the price of food down for all of us folks out here well you got to you got to change the rising cost of inflation and that's about we have with this administration that caused much of this inflation. So we're going to continue to battle because you know what? What's nice is we come from the valley, we know the issues, we know the values, and we know what to fight for. Well, there you go, Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. Uh, you know, there's something about meeting or listening or watching people on television, especially politicians, uh, that kind of leaves one wanting more. Well, I'll tell you. Um, meeting a, a 
politician ready in to person, connect click connect uh, to show now to see you are connected at the host because you can look Welcome, into their host. eyes just like you are now you in the, the host room market. and can manage your callers and, from uh, the Collins studio web interface thinking and where they're coming Audio. from uh, so there's two examples of, of representation Kevin McCarthy's from Bakersfield and he is a valley person and he is the person that is now representing agriculture in the Central Coast, and as such, he's representing even coastal California, which probably isn't too friendly to him when he gets right down to it. But that is the nature of politics, is it not? Uh, it's always fun to meet them, look into their eye, and shake their hands. So, um, you know, looking overall at the overall event of World Ag Expo, it takes a lot of of energy and a lot of smarts to get 1,200 exhibitors to show up with all their stuff and their services on 2.3 million acres of space. But then, how do you sell 100,000 people to show up at the event? I've always admired people who do the marketing for events like this and had a great relationship with um, Steve Stagnero at the Santa Cruz County Fairgrounds. So for many years, uh, when we got together at the fair, at the opening day of the fair, Steve would buy me lunch because he knows the value of schmoozing the press. And I gratefully took the bribe and, and uh, did a, as good a job as I could for promoting the Santa Cruz County Fair. But here's a big fair. And so let's take a, a moment to meet the person who's responsible for getting 108,000 people to show up at the World Ag Expo. This is Jennifer Fox. I'm the marketing manager at World Ag Expo. Jennifer, what makes this place the World Ag Expo? Oh, we have people from all over the world. Exhibitors alone, we represent 26 different countries. And so we're seeing the best in ag from everywhere. Our show is representing more than 350 commodities, and we're so excited to invite the world here to see everything that's new in ag and what they need for their operation. Why here? Well, it started in 1968. There were some farmers that thought, you know, we went to the Calusa show. It was great, but we could do that in Tulare. We think we need that. And so they brought it back, and they um, made sure that they brought what we need in, the, in this community and have grown it. They've been good stewards. We have volunteers that have been our chairman this year. was at the very first show as a volunteer. And so they've grown it. They've been responsible, and the community has loved it. Can you think of any place else on earth that makes for better farming than California's Central Valley? Um, you know, I grew up here, I love it here, so no, I can't, but I also haven't been everywhere. Anywhere with a Mediterranean climate, there's only a few of them. We need to protect them and nurture them and make sure they have water because we're growing food. We've got to be responsible with it, but definitely we have great farmers who are doing great things and always looking to get better, so it's one of the best places to be. Are you seeing good food in the future? Will we have enough? Will, it be, will we be able to afford it? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I think really with the pandemic coming out of that, it's changed a lot of things. So we there's some right-sizing that needs to happen. How that's going to happen, I don't know. But I would say as long as we can figure out how to use resources efficiently, appropriately, and fairly, and understand that our priority is to feed the world. And we can do that well, and we can always get better. But it's, it's going to take some time and there's going to be steps in between. It's not just here to 100 you know, miles away in one leap. But uh, we're working on it. We see it happening. 
Who should not come to the World Expo? Everybody should come. If you eat, if you wear clothes, you should be here. But you know, it's you know, I'll say the practical stuff. It's a walking show. It's uh, we're do it in all weathers, all weather, just just like farmers. Um, so you know, we think everybody should. Uh, it's a great place to learn. Well, it is a great place to learn. You and you learn it from the people who do it, and you learn it from the equipment that they you do it with. So wherever you look, there's something going on that's very, very interesting. Now, I think speeches from politicians and whatnot are very, very interesting for very short periods of time. So um, as the opening ceremony went on, I went out and I was really looking forward to just finding what's what at the World Ag Expo. So I just walked right out of the door. And the first thing I met just stopped me in my tracks. It was a machine that that uh, sat up off the ground. It was like about the size of two Volkswagens strapped together. And it was encased in aluminum, a shiny aluminum. And uh, it looked like a Martian landed it. It truly did. It looked like, oh, for sure, a Martian landed this uh, at the World Ag Expo. Uh, it sat up above the ground about a good foot and a half uh, on wheels. And below it, uh, underneath it, it was a, a whole bed of strobe lights were flashing. That's why I thought it looked like a Martian landed, right? Maybe hundreds or 200 strobe lights underneath there just flashing on the ground. And I looked at that for a while and I thought, what the heck is this? Well, let's find out. My name is Paul Mikesell. I'm the founder and CEO of Carbon Robotics. Carbon Robotics makes the world's one and only laser weeder. We use AI cameras and very high-powered lasers to kill weeds in farm fields. Weeding without people? Weeding without people, and we burn them right at the Mary stem, so there's no no herbicide spray, no chemical runoff, none of that, no uh, cultivation needed at all. It just kills them with heat energy. Okay, now, would you be so kind as to tell us how you really do this with all of those fancy words that you use, sure. like artificial intelligence? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, so the computer, what the computer is doing is looking at pictures coming in from cameras and using uh, what's called a neural net, but it's a piece of just AI system technology that we've developed that knows how to see what a weed is and what a plant is that you're trying to keep and will target the weeds with the lasers. Um, so it's a technique in computer vision called deep learning. Now, would this work for something, for example, like strawberry fields? Sure, it works for strawberry fields. We, use a, we have a number of different crops, about 40 crops today that we'll do. Uh, on, onions, broccoli, cauliflower, spinaches, lettuces, you know, radishes, etc. Sure, strawberries under plastic, we can shoot the, shoot the little strawberry hole and not hit the plastic, all that stuff. So what your cameras do is they first recognize what crop you're dealing with, yeah. probably, and then? Yeah, that's right. It re you recognize what crop you're dealing with, and then find all of the plants that are not the crop and shoot them with the lasers. Are you going to replace farm laborers? I used to be a teenage herbicide yeah. myself. Sure. And would have loved to have a machine do sure. the job instead of me. But Yeah, yeah I mean... 
The I don't know if we're going to replace labor. Most of it, what we're doing is filling holes in the labor gap. Where farmers are having a harder and harder time every year finding labor, finding labor at a price that they can afford, and so a machine like this will help them do the job without needing to go down that path. How did you come to this business? Yeah, well, I started in computer vision and AI, believe it or not, um, and really love agriculture. And this is a really great place to be deploying robots because we can go out there and do useful real-world work uh, instead of building some other phone app that's going to, you know, guess your horoscope or something. Uh, you know, we go out there and we do real work with these machines. And do you think it will make our food less expensive to eat in the future? Yeah, it'll make our food less expensive to eat. It'll make it easier for growers to have a straightforward task, how to get rid of these weeds without worrying about labor prices, etc. And it makes it easier to make organic food if that's the path you're on, because uh, you don't need to spray anything in these fields to kill these weeds. There you go. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. There you go. Artificial intelligence to pluck the weeds. Hard to imagine that it could actually be possible, but it is. So let's really quickly go meet some of the women of agriculture. They're out there, and I met them, and you can too. And who do we have here? Uh, good morning. My name is Sharon Zoller. I'm the state president for California Women for Agriculture. And we advocate, uh, educate, and promote California agriculture for a safe and secure and sustainable food supply in California and for the world. Well, you have that one down. But wait a minute. Why should women be for agriculture? When 45 years ago, when the uh, when we started out, and we started out in uh, Coachella, Cal um, Coachella Valley, California, uh, they decided not to say California women in agriculture, but for because we wanted to uh, have a wider uh, opening for everyone who supports agriculture. Because if you eat food and wear clothes, you are in agriculture. All of the, those women who live in cities, though, don't tend to think about agriculture very much. What would you say to them? Really, we have quite a few women who are not on the ground in agriculture, but are in all kinds of support uh, uh, positions uh, from insurance to finance to all kinds of other kinds of promotion as you see here at the at the Ag Fair there are all kinds of different things that you might not think about for agriculture that is connected with agriculture so we try to encourage all kinds men too we have some men who are in our various chapters we have 22 chapters uh, up and down the state from Butte County to Blythe and uh, we encourage and invite anyone who's interested to come and join us. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. This is the food chain, Michael Olson. We are taking a serendipitous stroll through agriculture at the World Ag Expo, and we're going to be right back with more people. <laughs> Welcome back. This is the Food Chain Reader Program. I am Michael Olson, your host for this hour of What's Eating What? And today we're eating up food, as we usually do on the food chain. And we're meeting the people who grow our food that fill up the food that fills up our supermarkets. Where does that food come from? Who cares? We always take it for granted because it's always there, right? So we 
don't pay it much attention, but today we are. We're taking a serendipitous stroll through the world of agriculture at the World Ag Expo in Tulare, uh, California. Now, one of the things that I notice is that there is a difference in the roles people play on the coast. Going back to this theme about there being two different Californians. Um, in the coastal California, the roles people play are pretty free. You can be whatever you want to be. You can even be whatever sex you want to be. But in the ag community of the Central Valley, as represented by the World Ag Expo, people were pretty much fixed in their roles as men and women. Men out in the field doing the hard work, women at home do, taking care of the business and running the show. Now, Charlie Pitigliano, who I introduced at the beginning of this segment, is a good example. 11,000 acres. Charlie's out in the field on the tractor. His wife is at home doing the books. Uh, at noon, they meet in the fields when she brings out a lunch so he can eat and keep on tractoring. Uh, and that's kind of the rule I saw throughout the, the World Ag Expo. Um, and not the rule you see uh, in the city anymore. But it was interesting. So what the heck, let's meet one more of those women of agriculture. Hi, my name is Sheila Bowen. I'm with the California Cattle Women's Association. And you are? I'm Grace Bowen, and I'm helping my grandma at the World Ag Expo. Good. Now, California cattle women, how many cows do you have? <laughs> well, my husband likes to say enough to keep us busy. <laughs> Good. We represent um, the beef industry across the state of California, and um, our association has 31 units across the state, and our ladies are dedicated to beef promotion and education. Okay, good. Now, let me ask you a very significant question. Yes, sir. What do you think of the Impossible Burger? <laughs> I, I don't think it can hold a candle to a good beef burger. Good. Have you ever tried an Impossible Burger? No. You go, are you going to? No. How about you, young man? Are you ready to try an Impossible Burger? Sure. Well, there you go. Uh, a fun farm family. Uh, fun to meet these people and just to say hello. But, you know, as i walking around the, the World Ag Expo, 2.6 million square feet, kind of get hungry. A lot of places to get food, and all of the places that were selling food were service organizations from throughout the uh, Central Valley, you know, the Lions Club and Rotary and whatnot. Everybody had their booth, and everybody was selling something, and it sure looked good. But I didn't want to stop. I didn't want to stand in the line. I just wanted to keep going. Fortunately, there was a lot of yummy taste treats to be being offered throughout the um, exhibit area, most all of which came from the Central Valley. And one of them was a, in a package in a very famous little red box. I'm sure you would recognize it if you saw it. There, And let's meet the people who put the, the, the products in that little red box. Steve Vasquez, I'm the technical viticulturist for SunMade, which is a farmer's co-op that's been around since 1912. 
Now, people generally don't think of viticulture with raisins, but that's the essence of growing raisins. Uh, raisins uh, are uh, come from grapes, and uh, you know there's raisin table and wine grapes, and we happen to be in the raisin business, and we have uh, about five or six varieties that growers grow to make raisins, and uh, we sell quite a few of them uh, at SunMade. Well, what is SunMade itself? SunMade is a farmers co-op, so there's about uh, six to seven hundred growers that make up the co-op. And uh, the co-op is basically where growers grow for SunMade. They bring their fruit in and then their fruit gets uh, placed into a variety of different products that we uh, have and then we sell those throughout the U.S. and the world. So SunMade then is kind of like a cooperative in which farmers can build a brand for themselves. Uh, yeah, the, the main brand, so SunMade is the number one uh, packer in the world for raisins. Uh, it's known around the world, the Little Red Box, everybody knows the Little Red Box. And uh, our growers are basically, uh, the, the uh, operation is in Kingsburg, California, and our growers are really within the, the four or five counties around uh, Kingsburg. So Fresno County, Madera County, Kings, Tulare, and Kern County. Would that be the heart of California's Central Valley? That would be the heart of California's Central Valley. And what do you get most there? Raisins. And sunshine. <laughs> and sunshine. There you go. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Raisins and sunshine. Now, thanks to Steve Vasquez and the good folks at SunMade Raisins, I had something to munch on as I was walking around the 2.6 million square feet of uh, the World Ag Expo, I got to eat raisins. And you know what? They gave me a lot of energy. That couple little of the co containers, those little snack-sized containers of sun-made raisins, your parents probably gave you some to take to school with you. They worked, and they were full of energy, and a good energy. Uh, sunshine, packaged in raisins, in grapes. Yum. What fun. So that was Steve Vasquez. And the other interesting thing about SunMade, of course, that really fascinates me is that it's a co-op that's been around forever. Um, and a co-op is how farmers work together to do something. And these, all of these SunMade farmers, probably generations after generation after generation of grape growers in the Central Valley, Dry their grapes, turn them into raisins, take them to the folks at SunMade. SunMade packages them in their boxes and sells them to the world. And they've been doing that forever. Um, and a great lesson in how to work together. Uh, so we're going to find some more of that as we travel along. So moving right along, we're going to meet now uh, some people who talk about farm finances. Now, how on earth do you finance a farm? Where do you get the money to finance a farm these days? I mean, California is the most expensive place on earth, I think. Um, and how, how do you get your hands on land? When you have to compete with the likes of Bill Gates or, you know, rich Chinese zillionaires, 
who can come in and, and buy land and not even think about the price uh, and not have to justify the price uh, against the crops that are being produced on the land. So it's a tough world for farmers to go out and buy a chunk of land. How on earth do you do that? Hi, I'm William Van Tassel. I'm president of Agribusiness Financial. Agribusiness Financial, that means you have money. Well, I'm a broker and I take my farmers to money. But yes, we're a loan originator and we do uh, uh, ag loans, farmer MAC loans up and down the valley, the Sacramento and San Joaquin Valleys. Now, how does it work? How does the financing of agriculture work? Well, you know, mechanically, from a, a structure standpoint, if you're familiar with Fannie Mae for houses, uh, Farmer Mac is set up uh, conceptually the same way. It's a first deed of trust loan on a farm uh, where a house loan might be 80, 90 percent loan to value. We can do 70 percent max loan to value. And the, the, same, uh, the process is very similar. You submit your financial information, tax returns, credit report. We order an appraisal now. For a house appraisal, it's maybe 500 bucks and it's, you know, half a dozen or so pages. My appraisals cost more like three, four thousand dollars, and they're inch, inch and a half thick commercial reports. What information do they need to contain for farmers to get the money? The information would be a list of your assets, your liabilities, and a farm budget, meaning uh, you're going to go out and uh, estimate what that farm is going to make uh, in terms of uh, cash flow repayment, because all lenders obviously want to know, even a house lender wants to know they're going to be repaid. Good. Yeah. Now, how much food would we have to eat if there weren't people like you financing farms? Um, it'd be con curtailed quite a bit, yes. Uh, financing is just part of the system. It's just part of the system. In this business, in agriculture, we, we have a little joke that uh, you either inherit it or marry it. And it's very difficult to get into farming because it's so capital intense. You know, the price of a pistachio orchard could be as high as 50, 60,000 per acre, you know, just to acquire the property. So generally they need to uh, use some form of debt to help them buy it. There you go. Thank you very much. Pistachios, 50 to $60,000 just to buy the land. That's all. That's all you get is, is, Fifty to sixty thousand dollars to buy a chunk of property. So that is the nature of California agriculture. Where, how on earth are young farmers supposed to get money enough to start their farms, um, marry it, or inherit it? And that's that's it. But there is is a fallacy about that as well. Uh, it's called the fa family farm cycle, in which farmers uh, live poor and die rich. So you go into Hawk to buy your farmland. Uh, you b borrow everything you can and scrape together all the money, and you borrow it, and you buy it. And then you struggle, and you struggle, and struggle through your life. But then you accumulate property, and by the time you're dying, you're rich in property. And so you turn to your kids and say, here, kids, and you give them the property. And what happens? The kids are stuck with the inheritance tax, and then you have to start over uh, being uh, poor and looking for the day when they can die rich. Huh. There you go. That's what grows our food, ladies and gentlemen. 
So, did he say fifty or sixty thousand dollars to buy land to grow pistachios on? Hi, Mike. Was set in Pistachio of Tarabella, located in the heart of the Central Valley. What is it about pistachios that I like so much? Well, Seton makes the world's best-tasting pistachio, and they're just a snack that you can't put down. Well, that's my problem. I can't put them down. So what is? what do you put, put in the pistachios that uh, make it impossible for me to put them down? Pistachios are just water, sunshine, and a little bit of roast. There's nothing fancy about it. Okay, what uh, kind of nutritional value do they have? Do you Pistachios are a complete protein, and they have all nine amino acids essential to body health. Well, what's bad about them? Nothing. <laughs> you can't put them down. <laughs> we Thank can't you. put them down. Thank you. Well, and, you know, I'm, I've got to confess that I couldn't put them down for a while because I was still hungry. I had some raisins, and now I'm going to eat some pistachios as we walk along through the world of agriculture. Um, and as we walk along through the world of agriculture, there's a lot of things that we, they're kind of a surprise. And uh, I ran into a very interesting surprise that kind of stopped me on my tracks. And I thought, what the heck are you doing here? And here they are. So my name is Colin Hazard. I'm an international trade advisor working at Invest Northern Ireland. Uh, my name is Sean Guinan. I'm managing director of AgriHealth, uh, a company based in Ireland. Please tell us what the heck Northern Ireland is doing at the World Ag, Ag, Ag Expo here in the California Central Valley. Okay, no problem. So Invest Northern Ireland is the economic development agency for Northern Ireland. So my job on the export side is to help our companies grow their exports. We've identified North America and Canada as our kind of priority market outside Europe for our agri-tech companies. And by agri-tech, I mean everything from agri-machinery to horticulture to animal health to software solutions and we're here because the show's a great opportunity for our our clients to meet new potential distributors learn about the market and ultimately hopefully grow their sales in the u.s Good. And what are we exporting from Northern Ireland to the United States? Our main focus at this particular show is uh, our farm track clothing range, which includes you know, boots, uh, rain jackets, and also our clippers. We have a very prominent range of clippers that we distribute in Europe, and we're looking for distributors here in, in North America. So that's what our reason for being at the show here is. Does it rain in Northern Ireland? Very seldom. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually... Well, does it rain in Northern Ireland? Very seldom. But it was interesting, they're selling boots, rain boots, in California, where it rarely rains, but maybe this year was the year to sell them. If you're going to sell them in California, this year was the year. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, is our first segment of this serendipitous stroll through uh, the world of agriculture at the World Ag Expo in Tulare, California. It's not the last. It's We're just getting started. There's so many people to meet, and they're so interesting, and they have so many interesting technologies. It's going to be a lot of fun. So stay tuned for the next edition. It will be number, stroll number two uh, through the world of uh, agriculture. Uh, thanks to the folks at the World Ag Expo in Tulare, California. And thank you for tuning in. Remember Michael Olson's first law of the food chain. 
agriculture is the foundation upon which we build all our sandcastles. Thank you. Thank you.